GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to the GalaxyCon Live Rocky Horror Science Fiction Double Feature Q&A, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today, we are taking the time warp and going back to the planet transsexual with three amazingly talented guests from the cinematic Rocky Horror Picture Show. And now is the time for all of you in our chat room to begin typing in your questions for them. Immediately after this session, you will have the opportunity to talk to them directly through our private chat options, as well as purchase personalized autograph photos, all of which are available now at galaxycon.com. So without further ado, let's bring out today's guests. Our first guest is an actress and singer whose credits include The Killing Fields, Great Expectations, and Rock Follies. Today, she's here to talk about the role of Columbia. Please welcome back the always lovely Nell Campbell. Hello, Nell. Are you talking? Guess what? My sound has got completely gone. Oh, dear. Yeah, you're a little herky jerky. Does it? How? That's a bit better. How does that sound? Uh, I can hear you. Your picture's a little off, but the important thing is I can hear you. I can see you. How's that picture? Uh, it's it's a it's it's a it's a little interrupted, but the main thing is as long as I can hear you, I think we are good. Okay, you're you're coming through loud and clear now. All right, first... looks. All right, well, looks like you're holding up too. So I'll tell you what. Let's uh, see if your signal settles. In the meantime, I'll bring out our next guest. How's that? And if not, Thank we'll. You. Well, now we'll dock you. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you out and try to reboot it again. So, uh, all right. No problem, as always. Uh, he is a Tony and Golden Globe award-winning actor and amateur clockmaker, whose credits include the original cast production of Grease, Fantastic Planet, Megaforce, and Spin City. Today, he's here to talk about playing the beleaguered Brad Majors. Please welcome back GalaxyCon's friend, Barry Boswick. Beleaguered. Nobody's ever described me as beleaguered. You, you've done your you, you've done your research, Patty. Well, you know me. Yeah, you know me. I'm a fan of yours. Your greater body of work. I am the well, only thank you. Who, I'm the only person who ever asked you about La Planète Fantastique. I yes, true. Understand. Now, how you doing? Are you seeing Barry well? I can see Barry well, and now I can hear you. But I, everything he said was crunched up. I'm afraid. Are you uh, making clocks, Barry? Oh yeah, I, I make a Rocky Horror Picture Show clocks. They're, they're called time warp clocks. I take a record and I melt it down so it's warped down, and then I put a, a label on that's been warped, and I, I I make it into a clock. On my in about I don't two weeks. That's a clock maker. That is not a clock maker, darling. Oh, <laughs> a Jesus. clock maker is making the mechanism. You know what? Are you making clocks? Are you no, doing anything? No. Okay. Come on. I sell my underwear and I make fucking clocks. Okay. I'm doing the best I can. Jesus. There's a. Don't you know there's a there's a pandemic going on. Nobody's making any money, so I'm making clocks. Settle I don't down. Mean, settle I don't. Down. 
don't mean to yell at you, my dear, because I love you with all my heart. They really are neat clocks, if you ever see. Uh, yeah, sometimes he has them at his table, and when the world gets back to normal, we can get you guys back at the tables. No, I've I'm seen go- them. I've seen okay. those. Okay, all right. I, I've seen them. You're not a clockmaker, so. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I, in about two weeks, I'm going to have a website, barrybostwick.com, and I'm going to sell them on my website. So they're now you can yes. you can buy one from me i can't hear understand a word you're saying because of the garbling of this can you hear me now yes. yeah i can but you know what you're not missing anything unfortunately you're coming over as just garble which is just such a ball i know that's that's oh. what my wife says <laughs> i heard that <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Ah, our next guest is an actress whose credits include I, Claudia's Doctor Who and Hawk the Slayer, an incredibly underrated fantasy film. Today, she joins us to talk about her role as Magenta. Please welcome back the always entertaining Patricia Quinn. At last. Uh, <laughs> Darling, um, listen, what does the, what does the beleaguered mean? Beleaguered, yeah. Uh, explain what it, Patty. Mean? I don't know uh, what it means. Uh, beleaguered is uh, always, uh, kind of in a state of uh, eternal distress, which I think kind of uh, describes his character throughout it, placed in this uh, rather I insane environment. Yeah. Walkmaker. You know, he's got troubles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep talking about my uh, clocks for the next 45 minutes, yeah, okay? When did you get interested in being a urologist, which I believe is the proper term for a clockmaker? Oh, please oh. don't talk about this anymore. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry, Pat. But uh, what, are, what are you making, Pat DeSalle? What are you making? Joy. God bless you. He's got you there. <laughs> Let's nap, kids, okay? You know, we're not waiting for midnight yet, okay? Hey, Patty, can you give us a couple of questions uh, when you uh, bring up some questions that we have never answered before? Oh. He's talking to me when he says Paddy, you see. What, is your name Paddy? Yes. All right, sorry. I think he's saying Patty. Sorry. Nell, yeah, you're Hi, Pat. Hi, Patty. Nell's back. Nell, how you doing there? You see, you look very clear to us. Good. Uh, you sound <laughs> good. All yes. right. All right. We are in business, and we are all agreed that whatever Barry is doing, uh, making clocks, he's 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 entitled to it. So that being said, gentlemen and lady, once again, thank you for joining us here on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. As always, we look forward to the time when the world gets back to normal, and we have you all back on our stages and in front of your fans. In the meantime. We are on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. The team right now is going to the chat room to pull out questions. In the meantime, God, yes. In the meantime, uh, I'll just throw this out uh, for the audience who may not know. Uh, The movie came out. The movie did what it did. When did you all begin to hear about the the second life it took? When did you all begin to hear about the midnight screenings and the shadow casts? And what was your reaction to it? So long ago, one can't remember. That's fair. 45 years ago, we heard about it. I don't remember it. Stage at Royal Albert Hall, like 45 years celebrating this. And you want to go back to when did we hear about it, baby? Sorry. That's all right. Did it it ever open in New York City? That's where I was. And I don't think it ever opened there. I know it opened in L.A., right? 
and and it ran for a few weeks there. Uh, and uh, film opened in New York at the Eighth Street Fairs. Well, yeah, sure, but it didn't actually open there. That that's when. It, Barry means that's, when he didn't have a when it originally opened. It opened the night you and I. Excuse me. It opened the night you and I went to see it in Leicester Square. Well, what was that night like? You never really have you haven't no, talked about that. It didn't exist as a, a night in particular. Mm -hmm. I actually went to it in the back of a van in a petticoat and uh, white stockings and garters, actually. And that was another story. Anyway, uh, mm -hmm. it was a very quiet opening, so to speak. And uh, Nell and I were there, and a lot of people were on the at the end of it were walking out and said, we thought the uh, live show was so much better. But personally, and I think Nell agreed with me at the time, that we thought the film, I thought the film was fantastic. The first time I saw it, I was, I was amazed. I am amazed now saying this because I'll never forget that night. And other people who'd actually seen it on the stage that we were in uh, were going out the door saying, I preferred the live show. And you th I thought, what are they talking about? They're mad. Anyway. Hmm. Fair. My, mo my mother calls that the odious comparison. <laughs> Comparing things. Like enjoy one thing and then enjoy another thing. Don't compare them. Oh, is that what mummy says? Yeah. Is that because, like... I mean, you no, know, of course, I can't... How ghastly to walk to hear people saying, oh, the show was much better than the film. It was a bit show. ghastly, but that didn't matter because it, was it wasn't much better. Anyway, it, it's all... It the all film was an astonishing surprise to me. I thought it was stunning. And I thought what Jim Sharman got out of it and put into it was amazing. I'm still amazed what he did. His ideas. Mm -hmm. Read the book, Jim Sharman's book. What's mm -hmm. it called? Glitter and blood. Blood. Something. Blood. Tinsel and blood. Tinsel, Tinsel and blood. Please get it, everyone. It's brilliant. Um, I I became aware of it when we started being invited to America. Mm. But you were that uh, night with me. You were there at the cinema in Leicester Square. You sat next to me. No, no, I'm about being aware of the cult. Yeah, when... Well, of course, there was no cult that night. It was the first showing. Yeah. yeah. No, the, well, the, well, which is great that uh, Pat has the, the most wonderful recall, as we all know. But the first time I was aware that, I mean, it was unusual to be invited to America to do the movie we'd made, you know, a few oh, years ago. Oh, that was stunning. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, so when you when they when you were invited over, was that to witness a whole the well, the shadow cast? Was yeah, the the eight, and it was the Eighth Street with Sal Piero, you know, who whipped up the crowd. I mean, all of that, and so it was um, the Eighth Street Playhouse. Pat, what, what was the name of the young boy that first got us over? Who died? The young Italian boy. Sorry, I don't remember. Yeah, you remember, uh, did you come over that first time with Richard O'Brien and me? I was living in New York, actually. I was in New York at the time. Remember that I young Italian boy? <laughs> that, that young Italian boy. I know you keep saying that, but I don't, I don't was, know. Was, was he the promoter? Was he the one kind of organising it? Yeah, he organised it. And I remember he invited us. I, I thought I... <clears throat> 
I think I'd been invited. Maybe I wasn't. I wasn't living in New York. I'd been invited over. I go to New York, and of course, and then he. No, we went to see you yeah. working in a in a place in New York. Maybe that wasn't the first time, but you were working in New York. Yeah, at, well, what, one of the times, yes, I was. Anyway, it was he called Joey or Joe? Anyway, he was this charming young Italian. Anyway, I was expect. So they said the the promoter of this event said, I'd like to take, you know, we want to take you to dinner. Where shall we go? And they took, <clears throat> I, I didn't know, I just arrived in New York. Anyway, they took me to um, a cafeteria at the base of the Empire State Building. In, and there were these two teenage boys. So that was the first shock. And we mm. were in a place that you would no more go to. I but weren't you a teenage girl, darling? What? Mm. Were you not a teenage girl then? I would have been, I mean, I guess I was in my early 20s. <clears throat> but, I mean, I, I, I already, I, I've always known where the place to dine is since I was about 18. Uh, when <laughs> I arrived not the Empire State in a cafe, yeah. no. Anyway, it was so funny because there we were in this, you know, I can't even remember if they served alcohol and uh, with these two teenage boys. And I remember going back to Keith McNally at one-fifth just in hysterics about it. And then the next night, I think Richard O'Brien and Richard Hartley and myself went to his mother's apartment in Queens hmm. where she had put on the line. Oh, that's John Mandracia. That's him. John Mandracia was 16, not 18. He was the oh, most was amazing, excuse me, entrepreneur one has ever met. And he wow. was the one who had the whole idea to invite us over. It was extraordinary. Wow. He was put on a show at Long Island, and we got a, I got saying the time walk with Richard, you know, and the audience was massive. He was entrepreneur beyond belief, and he took us to the flat in Queens, and we had uh, Veal Parmigiana. Yes, <laughs> a lot of that. <laughs> <Huge weight. laughs> So that so that took it. So his friend still writes to me. I get a Christmas card every year from his friend. It's wonderful. But sadly, he did. He died, and it was tragic. Very young. Died young, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Imagine me not remembering that. He was my dearest friend. He used to come here and visit me. I love. So here is his name, Joe. John Mandracia. So he introduced the two of you. To what was going on, Barry? When did you catch wind of the the midnight screen? Oh, we didn't the land at all. What I oh, <laughs> am I that boring now that you're going to leave when I'm talking? Oh, where's she going? To the bathroom? That's My talking. God, I, I'm not going to talk until she comes back. First of all, why wasn't this little Italian boy inviting me to Long Island? I didn't go to no Long Island because you're bad. No, because because I was beleaguered at the time, I think. <laughs> but uh, no, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know anything about this thing. I didn't go to an opening. I, it was years later when I uh, yeah. uh, when somebody invited me to the Tiffany, I think, in L.A. and uh, gave me a gold record, and I gave him my underwear. And the rest is history. And if I had made, and if I had made. If I had date, huh? Get a what? It's called a date. 
Oh, a date. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that great. Okay. Your gold record or in reverse. Yeah. Well, pull at a date. Yeah. <laughs> I have the gold record on the wall somewhere. It's uh, it, it, it was quite an honor. Do you have a gold record from uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show? I do. It's behind me. Huh? It's on the wall, just here. You can buy them, you know. You could just go online and get your gold record. I'll give over. Okay. You ever, you ever thought of making the gold record to a clock? Yeah, well, uh, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> if, you, if, you can, if you can buy them, buy them. I got, that's good, huh? Ah, that's right, good. Right. No, 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 that's good. That's it's good. That's hard. good. Oh, God, don't, don't start on his bloody clock. It's so no. <laughs> Come on, let's get to a question here. I'm done. Right, I'm trying to wrap this up. Okay, oh, yeah, do it. All right, first question from Travis What was the hardest set piece or number to rehearse and film? Echo. The, the time Pat, warp? You answer. Pat. Well, it was a massive choreographed piece. It was four steps to jump to the left and a step to the right. How hard is that? Shut up. <laughs> My God. I mean, the floor show was the hardest thing because we were in high heels and it was wet and we were sliding around. Excuse me. You're we starting. were in I don't know. Carry all right, so Pat says the time warp. Barry says the, the, the ballroom number. Nell, you want to be the tiebreaker? What, what was the one for you? It was, I'm afraid it was most definitely the uh, floor show. Yeah. That was a kind of a nightmare to try and, I mean, I look at us doing it. I wish Sarah been in that, Pat. Pardon? I think you should have been in the floor show. I don't know why you. Oh, yeah. Because I was killing people, darling, and you included. Mm. No, not at that. We were all alive. and Oh, I see. You were changing into your outfit, of course. Mm, you were yeah. changing into your face outfit. <clears throat> and your Bride of Frankenstein hair. Mm. But she, she mm. was the good girl. I'm a good she, girl, I am. You are human. Don't be silly. <laughs> Travis, thank you. Good one to start us off with. What's next? And this comes from Jules. What do you think your characters would be doing during lockdown in the current pandemic? Very good question. Mm. Well, I would be in Transylvania, and we don't have things like that there. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd be, in, I'd, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be. Sorry, I'd be in, human. <laughs> Barry, go. <laughs> I, I think I'd be importing male hookers into my life, into my thing. It's, what? Interesting. <clears throat> I, of course, I, of course, would be, I would have all of, um, I would have, wait, 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 wait. Um, I would have Eddie's. And my grandchildren all racing around like lunatics, and I'd be trying to feed everybody and keep them happy, and you know, have a have a little special area in homage. Sorry, have to you married Eddie by now? Is that what's happened? No, he died, but I was up the duff. Mm. Well, you know, oh, yeah, I'd rather not know that. 
Fair. You were going to have little Eddies, were you? Yeah. So I had I had a little Eddie, and then then they had lots of kids, and that's who I'm nursing and look not nursing, but hanging out with. We're not really not this story. I think it's very depressing. (laughs) Jules, thank you for that question. Let's move on. And this next one comes from Madison. Where is the most surprising place you've seen a Rocky Horror reference? Oh, that's a good question. I, I heard my neighbors the other night. I heard them talking about the Rocky Horror. I was in bed. It was 1 a.m. And they had some people over, and I think they were doing karaoke, and they started talking about Rocky Horror. That was a bit of a surprise. When you hear that being talked about while you're in bed at 1 a.m. Yeah. Yeah, but you're the neighbor. They must have been boasting about you. I don't know about that. I, I, it's interesting you say that because... Somehow the way it was being talked about, it didn't. That didn't fit. Though I agree, that's what you would yeah. think. But anyway, Is it over the fence, neighbors, you know. Yeah, over, exactly over the fence. But I was in bed. I heard it through the window. Yeah, well, they're in lockdown. They're bored. They have nothing else to do but talk about bloody Rocky Horror. Oh dear, sorry, V. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, they were having karaoke and it was so entertaining. I think that's what it was. Did you not get up and and join them? When I heard Rocky Horror, I thought if they start doing karaoke to Rocky Horror, I'm going to appear in my billowy white nighty over the fence. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. (laughs) Karaoke is not a... not a good thing to do uh, uh, during a pandemic, you know, unless you want to sing through a mask and holding a microphone and every about, breathing I, on I it. I think there might have only been about six of them. They yeah. were like in trouble. Let's see. We're so, anyway. to that. Fair. Absolutely fair. Pat, I where's the... I bubbles anymore, but I go walking on Primrose Hill and everyone I pass is saying all this new language, bubble, lockdown, and I think, would you all shut up? You know, everyone goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're the only words you hear. It's astonishing mm-hmm. to me. So, oh, horrendous. We won't talk about that. We don't let's dwell on this. Okay, no, sorry. No, well, Barry, where's the uh, where's the craziest place you've got a, a Rocky Horror well, reference? You know what? Everywhere uh, I hear, damn it, Janet. And somebody will say, damn it. And then somebody uh, across the room will go, Janet. And it's been that way for 45 years. And it's, it's amazing. I say it's that amazing. every time I say, damn it. I say, damn it, Janet. I do. Yeah. It has become I iconic. I love that. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Absolutely. Madison, I, mean, I never you. hear it. I never hear anything. Sorry. No, that's fair. Madison, great question. Thank you so much for that. Hey, what's next? And this comes from... Uh, Shatwani, uh, I hope I pronounced that close. Uh, what was your Shatwani. funniest memory from the set? Sorry, what's what? Your funniest memory from the set. Yeah. God, you're assuming it was fun. <laughs> I mean, we had to make. That movie, I think, in six weeks, which is astonishing for a musical to be made in six weeks. It yeah. was, you know, I, there's a photograph of me, a Mick Rock photo of me lying on the uh, slope where the transvestites were, uh, and I'm sound asleep. Pat, it's Pat Quinn, dressed as a maid, sound asleep, lying there. 
And Richard O'Brien was sound asleep by the throne. I mean, we were just trying to sleep all over the place. I once never worked so hard in one's life. So there was no time for, like, uh, well, you, uh, she didn't ask about, did you say fun? <laughs> well, <laughs> that, the question was funny. Funny is funny. What did you say? What, did you, what was the question, darling? Shatoni, I would like what's, to what's, say that. Even, funniest there moment. Was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of pressure yeah. as we made this movie because it was Jim Sharman, the director's first movie, and the producer from Fox, well, his, his name is Lou Adler, he had a very intense vibe and he, he was always on the bloody set. I and never noticed him. Well, he wasn't all. There was a lot of pressure. To, we, we were he so wasn't on having, the set. Yeah, he was. he was not always there. No, he wasn't. Not always there. But the general feeling was that we had to, you know, it, we had to work, get everything as in as few takes as possible and drive this thing forward. But wait, there, um, Shat, Shatawana, was it? Shatwani? Uh, Shatani. Shatani. There, of course there would have been funny moments, but I, sadly I can't remember them. Because wherever, if Pat and I are anywhere, there's always funny moments. Not so much Barry. But Pat no. and me, Jeff, always. No, no, no. I was beleaguered most of the time. Pat and I can have a good time in a supermarket, and believe me, we've been in many across America. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very my, my funniest moment. My funniest moment is always when they we were in the castle and we had to be wet, you know, the whole time. And and the uh, I think it was the prop person would come up to me and spray me down with freezing cold water. And then I would scream at them as loud as I could. Uh, obscenities. And uh, because I just didn't want to be wet anymore. Um, but. Uh, uh, so there's American actors. Uh, yeah, I know. We were a pain in the ass. Wings, wings, oh, were you? Did you have to be wet, Pat? Did you have yes. to be wet? Yes, in the Darling, I, was, I come from Transylvania. I'm cleverer than you. <laughs> She's always dry. Yeah, yeah. Next question. Hey, Shatani, great question. Moving on. <laughs> from Adrian. Oh, who were some of your mentors in life? Ooh. I had a guy uh, uh, named Ellis Rabb, who was the head of APA Phoenix Repertory Company in New York. And that's how I started. I was uh, a journeyman in the company. I did my first Broadway show with the APA Phoenix. And uh, and he uh, took me under his wing and uh, gave me an awful lot of good advice. And he was a theatrical genius. I think a lot of people in New York and the Broadway scene would uh, agree with that. And um, apparently this is boring the shit out of the ladies because uh, no, I'm looking that, at their faces. That's a boyfriend to me. That's a boyfriend. Took you under his wing, a bright young thing. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. We call it boyfriend in Australia. Yeah, well, it's not true. No. But some people do think that. But it's not no, true. I don't. I don't, darling. Yeah, uh, I, I, I guess over here, a mentor to us is somebody's a teacher. Somebody looks out. Right. Somebody gives you advice. I didn't hear that. Uh, grooming. That's grooming. <laughs> I was groomed. Mm. You were groomed. 
I was groomed. I don't think you had a mentor. I I thought maybe you meant who did I look up to as an actor or something. Well, that that'll work too. You could be somebody. Give me, tell me, you could be a mentor well, from afar. I was so. brought up on the movies by my mother. We went to the in those days. I'm from Belfast, Northern Ireland. We used to go to the pictures, and my mummy went quite a lot. And I was a great fan of Betty Davis. Oh, mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, I totally <laughs> see that. Whoops! Wow, we lost. We lost him. He'll is be he back. Going, is he going to get wet? <laughs> Well <laughs> <laughs> All right, Nell, who's a, who's a mentor, a teacher, someone in life that uh, you my thought mother, gave you some advice? Yeah. My mother and my father. I was blessed with the most heavenly parents in the world. I didn't have to go far but just open my eyes, get out of bed, and there they were. And they were inspirational and encouraging and my my father was a marvelous writer, and my mother just could. They were both so uh, they were great company, stimulating, very well read, a lot of fun. There were four kids; we didn't have much money, but we had everything. Anyway, that's well, that's so that's when you mentioned that. Things. My mother pushed me and pushed me, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, so much so I got on the boat at seventeen and came to London to be an actress. I got and on the. Boat. I didn't go to America to be a movie star, but I came to London because I wanted to do Shakespeare. I wanted to be on the stage, definitely. And uh, that's what I did. But that was mummy. She pushed me a lot. Mm. My mother didn't push me at all. They didn't push the four of us at all. Well, fortunately, my mother did. Mm. I was a, uh, my first award. And I'm, I'm talking now. I'm talking. My first award as a as a young man. Oh, shut up, Pat. I my first award as a young man, I was paperboy of the year in San Mateo, San Mateo, California. And the only reason I got that is because my mother helped me box my papers every day and take me in the car so I could throw the papers out and get it over with. That's my mother. Oh, That's all I remember. <laughs> Paper boy. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. That's your new introduction now. And uh, and what? 1951, San Bernardino Paper Boy of the Year, Barry Boswick. Thank you. All right, Adrian. Thank you. That was a fun question. What do we have next? And from Camille, have you always known that you wanted to act, or were there any specific moments that sparked the passion for you? Well, for me, I've always wanted to be an actress, dancer, singer. But when I was 10, or and when I was 10, um, I was misdiagnosed with appendicitis, Mm. had my appendix removed, was dying, and my mother had managed to get me diagnosed by our family doctor. I was in hospital. And, in fact, I had very bad hepatitis. Mm. And consequently, I was three months at home in bed and it was just the most heavenly time because, as one, I was the third of four children. I I got to be with my mother on my own a lot. Anyway, every day we had the 12 o'clock midday movie and they were 
Busby Barkley, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Ruby Keeler, etc. And that's where I became that's where uh-huh. I was became mad about tap dancing. Goodness. Mm. That's great. Yeah. It was a heavenly time. I didn't yeah. believe any of that when I was had scarlet fever. <laughs> My mother had scarlet fever and was in hospital for six weeks on her own as a little girl and she had all her best toys and when they left the hospital, they burned everything. The hospital wouldn't let her take anything with her. And that's, that's... I didn't go to hospital, but it's horrible. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, that's, that was that was a solution for a lot of things in those AL. Well, you know, in my mother, if you had head lice, they'd have to burn all your clothes in your mattress. That was my mother was that was nineteen twenty nine when my mother was six. Wow, so things were different then. Wow, yeah, absolutely. But she yeah, was well, nineteen nineteen when I had it. Wow, <laughs> uh, Grace is so, so. I mean nineteen twenty twenty two. So, Pat, Linda. Pat is just the sensational. This, your headpiece is fabulous. I thought that with you. Your lady upstairs at the convention was selling all these pieces, skulls and things. Where is it? That's right. yeah, well, it's, oh, you yeah. wear them beautifully. It's fantastic. Thank you. Bless your heart. So. You. Sorry. No, Pat, when did, you, uh, when did you discover the urge to be a performer? Um... Well, like now, I mean, I did, I did went to ballet and tap classes. I did all of that. That was the beginning of things, and then, um, then I started winning prizes for elocution and things. Like Sir Tyrone Guthrie gave me a prize for an, an amateur production of the Mad Woman of Shio. You know, <coughs> so I had a small part, you know, but I he picked me out because he adjudicated it. So I got the bug then, you know. But uh, so then I just went on from that. Fair. I'd say fair. Barry, bring us home. Okay. Uh, I think I was, uh, uh, I was 12 years old, and I went to tap dancing lessons. And the only reason I went to these tap dancing lessons is because half the class was tap dancing, and the other half of the class was trampoline. I don't know why, but... <laughs> I caught the bug. I caught the bug. Uh, and I, you know, a trampoline, right? You got. It. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a weird it was the weirdest thing. And then I started doing folk singing. You know, we were in high school. I always had like folk singing groups and stuff. And then yeah. we were we uh, were on a Nash. We were on a local TV show in San Francisco. One of those uh, talent shows. And uh, we, uh, Ron and Barry, Ron, myself, and Barry. I should have been Barry and Ron, but it didn't scan. So uh, it was Ron and Barry. And uh, we lost, uh, we, we got to the finals, and then we lost to an accordion player playing Lady of Spain. Oh. <laughs> I know, I know. And so, but that's. What, that, that, what were you singing? Oh, oh, the cat came back. The cat came back the very next day. Oh, the cat came back. We thought he was a goner, but the cat. You see why we didn't win? Yeah, I'm. Penny, yeah, yeah. 
That's amazing. I don't know that song. No, no. Oh, oh, that's an old uh, uh, folk song. Pat, you know the song (laughs) Lady Love by the Clowns? I can play it for you right now. Camille, thank you. It was a great question. And a reminder to our audience, if you would like to chat with our guests like I am now or purchase a personalized autograph, sign up at galaxycon.com and let's go ahead and roll another one. And this comes from Mary. Do you have a tick or a ritual that you do to help get into character while on set or on stage? I find a triple martini usually does it. Mm-hmm. Um, breathing. Just breathing. You have to learn to breathe as an actor. Most actors hold their breath. And you have to consciously breathe before you go on stage so that when you're there in the midst of it, you're aware of the fact that you're speaking on the breath and on the breath is coming out. And, it's you know, because we have a tendency to when we get nervous and anxious, we we hold it in. We hold. And uh, so I think the most important thing and that's what I do is I always try to breathe, uh, take it a good three, three good deep breaths before I either go on stage or, um, you know, film something or whatever. Well, yeah. I personally don't get nervous or anxious because I'm happiest on the stage. Oh. Mm. There yeah. you go. I oh. love it. It's there you go. Mistake. I don't. I love it. I love it. What? Did you ever get nervous before you went on, like in playing uh, any of the things that you were in? No. Plays. You know, that's incredible. I, I envy it. I couldn't wait to get out there. Really? Wow. And when you got off stage, did you remember what you did on stage, or was it one of those uh, moments in which you go, I was so in the moment on stage that I have no recall of the last hour? And what I was doing on stage, and you remember it I all. Didn't get lost? No, I didn't get lost in the moment. Oh, uh, <laughs> well. Then, I'm technical, darling. Then uh, we certainly envy you. And Mary, thank you for that question. Uh, what do we have next from Josh? Uh, did you all do your own singing? Can't well, you tell? <laughs> We I did. Have- I did Nell. I did Nell singing. Uh, yeah. uh, and um, you know, what? I read something uh, recently that Susan didn't do her own singing. Do you know anything about this? That she was dubbed or uh, after the fact that somebody actually was her voice. I don't think that's true, but it was written somewhere. Never. No, I've never ever no. No, I've heard that. And we would have known that if that was if they were going to because yeah, remember no, no. we we pre-recorded she was marvelous. I mean, you were you're brilliant because you are a singer. I mean, that you came from musicals, you know, you did all that, and you can really sing. And Susan, I don't know if she sung or not. I don't know, but she could sing. So I don't know. That's rubbish. Pat, do you no. remember when we recorded the soundtrack? Pardon? Do you yes. remember us recording? I. Did we go back? Um, I'm thinking, sorry, um, just a moment. I remember Hockey Horror Live production recording that. That's what I was thinking about with Jonathan yeah, King. I, yeah, oh. I remember that one. But I, weirdly enough, don't remember the filming of the uh, other one, of the, the soundtrack of the uh, film. Probably we were all dubbed. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I don't remember. Do you, Barry? I didn't we did. We did it very quickly. I remember we got off the plane in London, Susan and I, and literally the next day we went into the sound. We went into the recording studio. Okay. Uh, yeah. There. There you go. There you go. I remember the first rehearsal for the film of the songs, because it was the first day I met Meatloaf, and uh, so we were sitting in the Earl's Court um, uh, Hotel. Were you there? No. Who you look? Uh, oh, um. No, well, Barry was, wasn't. He didn't. I don't have your wonderful it. memory. Go on, Pat. Well, we were in the Earl's Court Hotel, and Richard Hartley was sitting at the piano, and we were there to rehearse the songs for the movie. And um, in walked Meatloaf, whom I'd never seen before. I didn't know who he was or why he was there. And he walked in. And he said, "Ha hum," and I thought, "God, who's that?" Oh dear. And he was this redneck Texan. Not that I'm, I'm not, nothing against Texans. Anyway, so the thing is that I thought, who's that fellow? God. And then he got up to sing. Richard played Hot Patootie and he got up and did it. And there was a chandelier in the room. And I swear it shook. And I fell off my chair in shock. I'd never heard a voice like that in my life. I'd never heard anything like it. And he was so young, and it was like, you know, because he comes from gospel singing and all that. And that, this voice was so pure and magnificent. And, that, and I, mean, also, I remember, I remember um, there was a movie about Mario Lanza, and uh, I saw it with my mother, and the chandelier shook when he sang in the movie. i never forget that. And it sh- shook when the loaf sang. And I thought, wow, who's he? <laughs> I changed my mind very quick. Oh, bye. <laughs> Josh, thank you. And I think we have time for one more. So let's roll our final question of this session. And this comes from Natalie. What was your first impression of Rocky Horror Picture Show when you first read either the script for the film or, or, the, or the, the play? There was no script. <laughs> there was a script for the play, but Richard was writing things overnight. I mean, uh, uh, Charman said to him, we need a dance for you three. That was us, Nell, Pat, and Richard. And he went home that night and wrote the time walk with Kimmy, his then wife, you know, and came back with it the next day to the, you know. He didn't have a song for Janet, went home and wrote Touch Touch Me. And Julie Covington, who was playing her in rehearsal, she got that song to sing, and she had a wonderful voice. I mean, she did a Vita. Mm. And... um, so, and she said, I'm not singing that. It's disgusting. <laughs> you know, it wasn't very nice, really. I want to be dirty. What's wrong with that? Oh, shut up. You're Australian. <laughs> yeah. So, I beg your pardon. Nell, uh, how about you? Uh, what was your initial reactions? Oh, well, I was just ecstatic to be involved and just loved every moment of the rehearsal and as it was evolving and as Pat has just described. So it's it was just a whole lot of fun and the songs were so good. So Yeah, I, I, the whole thing was there we were kicking up our heels in the 60-seat theatre and, uh, you know, word of mouth was astonishing and by the... You know, last night Mick Jagger was there with Bianca on her cane and with Elliot Gould, you know, mm. Bianca in her white suit and cane. And um, they were queuing and um, 
Raina Burton, who was playing Rocky that night, um, was in the uh, toilets and I was getting changed in there into my outfit. And he was in the shower going, oh. And I said, who's that? He said, it's Raina. I said, what's the matter? And he said, I've got glitter down my foreskin, under my foreskin, and it's all blown up. I said, oh, God, don't show me. And uh, I said, I ran upstairs, and uh, everyone, Curry in particular, were looking so glum, you know, and because they knew Jagger was in and everything. And um, the whole thing was that uh, Jim Sharman came in, and Nell said, I'll play Rocky. And Jim Sharman said, uh, no, the show's cancelled. And I, it's awful to say this, but I had a young child at the time at home, and I thought, oh, great, we don't have to do it. And I went. We went home, and people were um, weeping. I mean, Mick Jagger wanted to see it. You know, mm-hmm. there was no and show. It was, uh, it was the last night at the I theater. know. I know. It was very oh. anticlimactic. It mm. was. Terrible. Mick Jagger. Mick, Mick Jagger wanted to do the movie, didn't he? If I want, yeah. if I remember correctly, and. Uh, Jim Sharman stuck to his guns and said, no, we're going to use uh, as many of the original cast as we can. Yeah, and uh, knew what he was doing. Uh, I didn't hear that. But the point is, the, the point is, um, I didn't even read the script. If I, I, I saw it on stage in Los Angeles with Tim. Yeah. And Tim was so dynamic and was, was I've just never seen anything like that. I've never seen a performance so exciting and so full and so committed. And, uh, uh, and so when they offered the part to me, I didn't even have to read the script because I knew. No, no, that's why I didn't want Jagger, don't you see? Yeah, of course. And it makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So that therefore I, I. Uh, that's how I got involved, and I and okay. it, it was all because of Tim, you know. Who were you sitting beside that night, Elvis or Ringo? Who me? Yeah. Uh, I, I I was sitting I was sitting uh, down by the stage, and one of the what do they call them? The zombies? No, those guys who come around the beginning. Didn't you have four or five like people that's who right. were? That's yeah. Uh, yeah, and and they would go around and they would like screw with you as an audience member. Yeah. And I, I remember, I remember th- this guy, ghouls, ghouls. And I remember this guy came up underneath my table and started sucking on my toes. And I thought, now oh, you're going to say something else. I got. <laughs> I think it was my toes. Yeah, no, it was my toes. And yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And so that sold me on it right away. <laughs> Natalie, thank you. That was a fantastic question. To lead us off on because GalaxyCon viewers, this has been my time with the cast of the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but it absolutely does not have to be yours. If you would like to chat with our panelists or purchase a personalized autograph, please sign up at galaxycon.com. And while you're there, check out our schedule of upcoming events like this one. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, any final words for our, our audience before we leave? I would like just to say one thing. You know, I would like to say that Mike, who uh, runs this GalaxyCon thing, has kept us alive and kept this whole this whole milieu alive for months and months and months through this pandemic. And God bless him. You know, I mean, it gives us a chance to talk to the fans. And uh, and 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 Patty, we get to talk to you every two or three months. Yeah. And 
It's it's been wonderful, and I'm I hope it, I hope I hope we get back into the actual convention scene early enough next year. So uh, uh, you know, this is wonderful. We I love doing this, but I much rather uh, you know bump elbows. I, I'd, or I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather play with your clock. Sorry, mm-hmm. what? No, I was going to say. Can, can I can sell my clocks and my underwear then too? It's it's it's, yeah. it's the only. And reason, I can, and you know. I, and I can and I, and I can play a, an excerpt from your old band, The Clowns, and embarrass the okay. shit out of you. Yeah, you know? no, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm selling that album on my website, by the way, The Clowns album. So, all right, all right, good to know, Pat. Nell, any any final words for the audience? Thank you, darlings. For yeah, thank you so much. Bless your heart. Thank you. Absolutely. As always, it has been my absolute pleasure to serve you all today. Thank you much for joining us. Thank you to our audience and thank you all for those great questions. At 6 o'clock tonight, we'll be joined by Meatloaf and next week, AlexCon Live will host cast reunions of Tron, A Christmas Story, and the Disney Princesses. Until then, happy holidays, take care, and please keep washing those hands.